Hello everybody, I hope you're all doing well. My name is Ali Ansari and I am the co-founder and CEO of Actibate. And hopefully during this quarantine, I expect that we'll be publishing YouTube videos every day for you to see and update your uh, debate skills and knowledge. And this and these new videos will be under the uh, daily debate uh, series that we'll be putting on YouTube and our podcast. So it'll mean a lot to us if you could check out our content from time to time. For today, though, what we're going to be talking about is counterplans. So as you, if you're a new uh, parliamentary debate, basically the way that it's currently conducted right now is that the proposition will affirm a resolution. For example, the resolution is that the United States should end military aid to authoritarian regimes, right? The proposition will say that we agree with that and the negative will say we disagree with that. Now, both sides take a very wholesale totalizing approach. So on the negative side specifically, which we'll be targeting today, oftentimes the negative will say 100%. We should not give, we should give military aid to every single authoritarian regime. We should give that aid. And there's not a lot of, of variability uh, in the negative strategy. They always have to defend that one position. At least that's the current trend. Counterplans, though, exist in other styles of American debate, and I think that this is a really good way for the negative to engage with what the affirmative is saying, because uh, in real policymaking, uh, you don't discuss one only one form of a policy. You discuss many different versions, many approaches to solving a problem, and counterplans really open you up uh, to that uh, to to that aspect of policymaking. So with that in mind, uh, let's go on to what is a counterplan. So a counterplan uh, in its very basic form, it's an alternative course of action. And more specifically, it replaces the proposition's plan by providing a benefit that the proposition cannot provide. Now in a blankets, now imagine this. Let's say the proposition plan was that we should go to McDonald's for lunch. And uh, the reason is, is that it gives you happiness. Now, my counterplan could be, no, let's go to Carl's Jr. in order to give me happiness and make me less hungry, right? That's a very basic counterplan, and uh, in addition to being a rather ridiculous topic, it probably wouldn't work for reasons we'll talk about later in this video, but that's a basic intro to what a counterplan is. It's exactly as it sounds, a counterplan. It provides an alternative course of action that replaces the proposition's plan. So with that in mind, there are really four types of counterplans, and these are uh, these may seem like really big words, but if just I would recommend that you look at this rather logically because logically these all really make sense, and I'll try to explain them in as much detail as possible. First, uh, there is something called an agent counterplan, and the CP stands for counterplan. So what an agent counterplan is is that it changes the agent that that does the proposition's plan. And I think this is best illustrated with an example. So. For, let's say the proposition uh, says that the United States uh, should the United States should basically put in a fifteen dollar minimum wage. The United States federal government should put in a fifteen dollar minimum wage. Now, what a agent counterplan would do was it would say, no, we disagree with the agent that does your plan, and we would say that a different agent should do the plan. So the counterplan or the agent counterplan would be. Uh, the uh, the 50 states of the United States of America should do the uh, should institute a $15 minimum wage, and then see the the reason why that that's so cool is because 
Now, rather than just talking about the benefits of a $15 minimum wage, you can access more unique uh, topics such as the role of state versus federal uh, government in economic policy and uh, federalism uh, and, and the role of federalism in today's society and is giving power to the federal government uh, effective or not? Like, do we want a limited government or a more expansive government? These are questions that uh, an agent counter plan allows you to explore because it um, pokes at the question of is the agent um, that is doing the proposition plan actually the right one? Right. And as you can see, it's a very nuanced debate and it uh, kind of shifts the debate in, in a different direction. The second type of counter plan you can read is called an advantage counter plan. And this is a little bit less intuitive, but hopefully in one minute it'll make sense. So uh, the thesis of an advantage counter plan is that it solves for the proposition's advantage without doing their plan. Now, that may seem a little uh, confusing, but let's, let's illustrate it with an example again. So let's say the proposition says that we should affirm the resolution, memes do more good than harm because they make people happy, right? So the advantage of memes is that people are made happy. An advantage counter plan would say, give everyone free passes to Six Flags. That's one example. Why? Because that's an alternative way to make people happy. As you can see, both the proposition plan and the counter plan share the same advantage or the same benefit, which is uh, making people happy. But the reason why an advantage counter plan is so strategic is because it avoids the disadvantages of the proposition's plan, right? So with an advantage counter plan would basically say, look, there's other ways of getting the same thing done without resorting to their method. So if we go back to this topic really quick of memes do more good than harm, the advantage counter plan of giving everybody passes to Six Flags, right? What that would do is it would make people happy without uh, getting into the disadvantage of memes, which is uh, getting people addicted to their phones, right? Instead of getting people addicted to their phones with the advantage counter plan of going to Six Flags, people are now incentivized to get off their phones, hang out with their friends, and really enjoy uh, nature and uh, quality time with their companions, right? So of these advantages, you, you wouldn't have this debate like a meme versus Six Flags in a real debate, but hopefully it shows you the, uh, the key reason why advantage counter plans are so uh, important is that it allows you to uh, basically accomplish the same goal as the affirmative in a different manner. Let's do let's do another example, one that's actually much more recent. Uh, if you haven't heard the uh, the brutal uh, the brutal murder of George uh, Floyd uh, has sparked a massive uprising in many parts of the country, and in some parts of the country, uh, these uh, protests of police brutality have even turned violent with um, with uh, pro with riots. Um, including uh, methods such as burning buildings and uh, causing uh, property destruction, right? Now, that is, let's, let's, let's assume that that's a proposition's plan, that we should solve for police brutality by a uh, violent revolution. Now, an advantage counter plan would say, no, let's uh, lobby through Congress and political institutions and uh, the court system uh, so in order to uh, get rid of police brutality. Now note, both sides have the same exact goal of getting rid of police brutality. It's just a question of it's just a question of like the of the way you did it, right? So that's a that's basically saying that we should solve for the affirmative advantage without doing the plan. 
And I think this also gets you into a process counter plan. And this actually might be more applicable to a process counter plan. Uh, so what a process counter plan is, is that uh, it basically changes the process by which the proposition's plan is done. And I actually think this might be a little bit more applicable here. So, right, we were talking about the George Floyd and the uh, violent uprisings. So the process of, so the negative may disagree with the process of ending police brutality, right? The, neg the negative may say, look, we agree with your idea of ending police brutality. We just think that that's a, a bad method of doing it. Rather than inciting violent uprisings, we should do peaceful protests and lobby through the court system. So to clarify, the difference between an advantage counter plan and a process counter plan is that the advantage counter plan uh, will often be unreal. It won't be, it will be tangentially related to the uh, proposition's plan in that it will still provide you the same benefit, but it won't be uh, attached or in the same vicinity or in the same uh, area of discussion, right? So let's give you another example of an advantage counter plan just so that you are really clear on uh, what is what's going on. So let's say that uh, let's say that we want to acquire. Uh, let's say that we want to improve democracy, and the way we do this. Is by uh, is by public is by publicizing. Let's say that's publicizing uh, presidential candidates' uh, medical uh, information, and we say it's a more democratic process, right? Uh, giving people the right to information that's a true form of democracy, and people should be able to see the medical records of um, the people they're voting for. Now, look, the benefit of giving people access to those types of records is democracy, but. An advantage counter plan may say, let's remove gerrymandering, which is a form of uh, changing the uh, lines of districts, uh, voting districts, um, in order to uh, sometimes favor one party or the other. They say, let's remove that because that's actually a better way to uh, improve democracy. So in these two examples, it's not really uh, directly related. These seem to be two separate concepts. But, the advantage, but that advantage counter plan of gerrymandering Right, it avoids the uh, disadvantage of trying to uh, publicize those records, which is uh, which may be a patient doctor confidentiality, for example. Right, but a process counterplan in that example that we just talked about with um, with presidential candidates' records, it may be that um, it may be that a different organization, uh, or it may be that there should be a different process by which uh, the medical records are released. So that's kind of the difference between an advantage and process counter plan. Now the final one is a plan inclusive counter plan or a pick. And basically this is a this is my favorite actually. It includes all parts of the plan except a certain portion and it argues that leaving out that certain portion is good. And this is super cool because this is actually the real heart of policymaking. Right? So let's give you an example. Let's say that the proposition says, let's not give military aid to Saudi Arabia, including guns and intelligence. Right now, a plan inclusive counter plan would say, let's not give guns to Saudi Arabia, but let's give military intelligence so that they can stop terrorism. Right. So as you can see, what the plan inclusive counter plan has done is it's included certain portions of the plan, but it's eliminated other parts, or it said that it's disagreed with some parts of the proposition. Right. And I think that this is the best version of policy making that you can get, because oftentimes you may not disagree entirely with the affirmative. But you may disagree on a certain portion of it, which is why plan inclusive counter plans are really cool. And also, it's important to note that uh, it's important to note that uh, do you, these counter plans, right? They all share something in common, which is that they all need to be competitive. 
Counterplans must be competitive with the proposition's plan. So the counterplan, what that means is that the counterplan and the proposition plan either physically cannot coexist or functionally should not coexist. And the reason why is that if you can do both at the same time, it seems to eliminate the need for your counterplan specifically. Uh, it's because what that would do is if the affirmative plan and the counterplan can both be done together, then it doesn't seem like uh, then it seems like the affirmative can just say that, right? It does. There doesn't seem to be any. If there's no disadvantage of doing that, or if it's or if it's physically possible to do so, uh, then why not? Let's just do something called a permutation, which is do both policy actions at once. So, but a competi but competition allows you to basically distinguish yourself from the proposition plan. And there are two methods of competition. The first is mutual exclusivity, and this one will be rather obvious. So basically what it says that if one option exists, then the other cannot exist uh, with it. So let's, let's do a silly example first. Let's say the uh, proposition's plan is that we should uh, add cookies to a cookie jar. And your counter plan is let's destroy the cookie jar entirely. Right? That is clearly competitive on the grounds of mutual exclusivity because what you you can't add cookies to a cookie jar and destroy the cookie jar simultaneously. That doesn't seem to work. So that's the concept of mutual exclusivity, that these two events or these two policy actions cannot uh, occur in tandem. Now the second method of competition is net benefits, right? And the uh, competition based on net benefits says the proposition plan triggers something bad and the counter plan avoids this bad thing. But if you do both the proposition plan and the counter plan, you will still trigger that bad thing. So let's do this uh, for example. Let's say that in this, the net benefits of competition based on net benefits really ties in well with an advantage counterplan, right? And as you remember, advantage counterplan is a solves for the proposition advantage without doing their plan. So let's go back to the memes uh, versus Six Flags example, right? Uh, the, the net benefits competition would say, look, technically you could have people look at more memes and go to Six Flags, but the problem is that there's still the disadvantage of looking at memes, which is getting addicted to your phone. So doing both at once would still create this disadvantage that we would not want. So this seems to be a counter plan uh, that, has, that is competitive based on net benefits because you wouldn't want to do both since it results in something worse or it results in something bad. And that's a more nuanced version of competition but it's super useful because it ties into this real life logical idea that you wouldn't want to do two things if, uh, is that you wouldn't want to do two things together. So let's say somebody says, look, let's have violent protests. And then let's also, but then the other side says, no, let's have a peaceful, uh, peaceful rebellion through uh, the court system and the political institution, right? Even if you did both of those at once, you still seem to incur some sort of disadvantage with doing violent revolutions, which is property destruction. And you can have a full debate about that, but if you win that that disadvantage is bad, like destroying property is bad, then doing both together doesn't really seem to be that logical. So in conclusion, uh, what you want to do uh, with counterplans is basically establish an alternative course of action. And the reason why these are so cool is because it gets into a real forms of policy making in which you debate different policies that uh, that may be uh, mutually exclusive or that really get into the uh, the nitty gritty of the affirmative plan. Uh, and especially my favorite, the plan includes a counter plan does just that. 
So if you have any questions about this, uh, please feel free to uh, uh, leave something in the comments or go to our contact page on activate.com. Uh, but really, I hope this was a good introduction to counterplans and hopefully you find this useful um, in your own debating experience as uh, you might find this, you may find this useful to start a trend in your own debate league or something. Uh, I wish you all the best during these uncertain times and uh, I hope to see you soon. Thank you.